Friendships are fabulous, aren't they? We all need a good friend in our lives because our friends help to form us. They help to shape us. They help to direct us. Every one of us needs a good friend in our lives so that we can become all that God has created us to be. You see, we need a friend, someone who will listen to us when we have something to say. And we need to be a good friend who listens when our friend has something to say, right? It's a give and take. We all need a friend who will lend a helping hand, not someone who's going to sit on the sidelines and say, "Mm, you should have did that differently. We need a friend in our lives who will help to propel us into our purpose, who will help us to get to our next level in life. You see, friends are people who are honest with you and you are honest with them. Friends are people who you trust, who you get closer and closer to and open yourself up to. Listen, have you ever gotten so close to somebody in your life that you trusted them with your secrets? Yeah. (laughs) Somebody who, who can hold on to what you have to say and you don't have to... Worry about it getting online. (laughs) It's in somebody's text chain. Have you ever gotten so close to someone that you trusted them with your front door key? Mm, That's trust right there. You can come in anytime. Have you trusted someone so much that you or, or you got close to them so much that you trusted them with your significant other? Around your spouse, around your boyfriend, your girlfriend? Have you gotten so close to someone that you trust them with your very life? You see, there's nothing more valuable in this life than having a friend who is trustworthy. Somebody you can count on. And there's no greater goal for you and your, well, there's many goals. But one of the greatest things that you can achieve in your life is being a trustworthy friend. Being that person who is like Jesus in somebody else's life, being that person that somebody can put their faith and trust in that won't betray them. But many of us know that sometimes the deeper we get in our friendships, the closer we get to other people, the greater the potential is for pain. You see, you let somebody in so close, and if they betray you, they, they do something against you, they can really break your heart. They can harm you if you let them that close. That's why some of you in here today, that's why I don't have no friends, right? I, I stay alone. I lock myself in my apartment. Guess what? God said it's not good for you to be alone. So maybe a little bit of pain in your life is good to propel you to your purpose. Ooh-wee. You see, every time you open yourself up, you put yourself in a vulnerable position. Have you ever been hurt by your honey? Have you ever been uh, betrayed by your buddy? Maybe you have been attacked by your amigo. Or has your advocate ever become your adversary? 
Today we're closing our series called Redeemed Villains, where we've been doing character studies on different uh, figures in the scripture who have displayed villainous characteristics in the text. And so... We've been studying this, and I know some of y'all is like, I, I didn't come to hear about the villains in Scripture. I came to about, hear about uh, uh, systematic theology. Why are you not teaching about eschatology, Gary? Somebody asked me. Why are you not teaching about soteriology? I like that. Why are you not teaching about... Listen, go take a seminary class. God has guided us in this series of redeemed villains because I believe that each one of the people we have covered should act and serve as a mirror for each one of us. Because when we look in a mirror, we start to see the flaws and the things that need to be corrected. And when we look into the lives of these villains in the scripture, we hopefully should see a little bit of ourselves. Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up and made mistakes. We've all uh, uh, been the villain in our story at some point in our lives. But the good news is, the beauty of God is that he always leaves room for redemption. Ah, I can't. I, I, listen, I'm about to get too excited. I got to calm down. But would you follow me to the book of Luke? The gospel, according to Luke, will start in chapter number 6, verse number 12. I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Scriptures. It reads this way. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Pause. Before Jesus chooses his friend group, before Jesus chooses his small group, before Jesus chooses his closest friends, those people who will make an impact on his life and whose life he will make an impact on, before he makes a life-transforming choice, he consults his father. Are we doing the same? That job that you want to get, you're presented with two opportunities. Have you consulted with God and asked him which direction he would like for you to go? God, uh, uh, here are some new people that have moved into my neighborhood. How should I proceed with introducing myself or should I just cut them off out of my circle? God, uh, uh, I'm trying to move into a new neighborhood. Have you consulted God on if that's the place where you should raise your family? These life-impacting choices that we make every day. I think Jesus is calling us to consult our Heavenly Father before making these choices. Now, Jesus is praying all night long to God, the Father, to get direction and inspiration from him as to who he should include in his friend group, who he should include in this group of disciples, these people who he will invest in for the next three and a half years of his life, the best years of his life, and God gives him inspiration. Maybe you've heard of some of these names. Let's look at verse number 14. 
He says, Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and your uncle, your, your cousin, your ex-boyfriend. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. You, one, one day. Oh, I'm not wishing that on you. Okay. All right. That family member that you didn't invite to Thanksgiving, but they came anyway. You tried to turn the lights out, but they saw all the cars parked outside. You had to let them in. Right? That, that one, that person that you, uh, you just don't get along with. Uh, Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot. You mean to tell me, Jesus, that I can pray all night long, miss out on my precious sleep? I can stay up consulting with the Father and he's going to still give me a Judas? That tells me that God's got a plan for the Judas that's in your life right now. You praying for God to get rid of this person. God changed this situation. God says, I got something for that situation. It's going to launch you into your destiny. All of us have a Judas. But let's look at this character named Judas. Let's do our character study on Mr. Judas today. The first thing that we observe from Judas is found in John chapter 6, verse 71, is that Judas was somebody's son. Judas was a human being. He was a man. He was son of Simon Iscariot. Now, that wasn't their last name. They didn't come from a long line of Iscariots. Iscariot is actually a compound Hebrew word. It's two words forced together to give him identity, ish and karioth. Ish in Hebrew meaning Adam or man. And karioth is a town south of Jerusalem. So he was Judas Iscariot or Judas the man from the town of karioth. This is identity. Not only was he a man and someone's son, Judas was chosen by Jesus. He said, Jesus put the invitation out. We see the stories. He walks up to somebody at their job and say, hey, will you follow me? And then watch this. They had to make a choice whether they would drop everything and follow Jesus. There is example. There's one example I know of in Scripture where somebody told him no. His name it's not given to us, but they give us his title, the rich young ruler. And Jesus walks up to this brother and say, hey, man, follow me. And get rid of all this money stuff and, you know, come on with me. He's like, ah, I ain't selling my stuff. I got this cash flow, Jesus. I ain't following you. And he told him no. But now this guy Judas says Yes. He chooses now to follow 
Jesus, to be with this man named Jesus for three and a half years, to be educated by Jesus for three and a half years, to be loved on by Jesus for three and a half years, to become best friends, closest companions with Jesus for three and a half years. As a matter of fact, it paid dividends because watch what Jesus does in Judas's life and all of the 12. Luke chapter 9, verse number 1 says, Jesus gave them power and authority to drive out demons and cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Judas was out in these streets bringing the kingdom of God. He was out here doing more than many of us are doing with our Christianity. He was out here preaching the good news of God, healing people's lives, healing people's sicknesses. He was out here caring for the poor, doing all the stuff that Jesus requires for us to do in our Christianity. He was. Judas was out here representing the kingdom. But you know what we don't know about Judas? We don't know his profession. We don't know what Jesus called him out of. Well, see, we know that for Andrew and Peter, right? Jesus goes up to them and he says they were casting their nets. They were fishermen. He goes over to James and John. They were out fishing with their dad. They had a fishing business, and he calls them out of their fishing business. We know that he called more than fishermen because he also calls Matthew. And Matthew, he says, was a tax collector named Levi. And Jesus called him and gave him a new name and called him out of that profession. But you know who we don't have a profession listed for? Judas. We don't know too much about Judas. We don't know his background. We don't know if he had family and he walked away like Peter did. Peter had a a, a sick mother at home. He had a wife. He had family he walked away from to follow Jesus. Many of these guys had family. We don't know if Judas had family. But we do know that Jesus appointed Judas as treasurer for the group. John chapter 12, verse number 6 tells us Judas was the treasurer. He kept the money bag, and he used to help himself to the contents. Yeah, they collect the offering. They're supposed to be helping the poor, and Judas would take a couple dollars and stick them in his pocket. Why would he do that? You see, I've been reading these commentaries about Judas, and I I mean, I, I really haven't read so much Uh, stuff uh, that demonizes a person so much. Man, I read one commentary that said that Judas was greedy and wanted to steal everything from Jesus. I said, really? Is that in the Bible? I don't see that in the Bible. But one connection I did make, and this this is extra biblical, so this is not written there either, but they don't give a description of Judas's background. They don't give a profession for this man. Maybe it's because he didn't have one. They give us his town, and we don't know much about his town. Maybe he comes from poverty. Maybe he comes from a place where he was depressed and distraught, and Jesus called him out of that and said, hey, you got a better life ahead if you follow me. See, we don't know why people do the crimes that they do, the things that they do, but we do need to know that they are made in the image of God. 
No matter what the crime, no matter what the challenge is, every human being is a human being in God's image, the Imago Dei. And we got to humanize people. We got to stop otherizing human beings. So Judas, not only was he the treasurer who helped himself, but we also know the ultimate crime. Listen, how many of y'all have been to a baby shower for a Judas? A Judas? How many of y'all been to a baby dedication for a Judas? Judas? How many of y'all who are expecting have on your list of names that you're choosing from? I'm going to name my child Judas. His name has fallen out of favor in our history. You don't find too many of you Judases out here no more. Matter of fact, I don't know anybody named Judas. Right? There's all the variations. Judah, all right, all that stuff. Great names means praise. But there's no Judases out in these streets. Why is that? Because we know ultimately his crime. That he betrayed Jesus. He sold Jesus out. We know his crime, but what was his breaking point? What got him to that place? Well, glad you asked because John chapter 12, verse number 4 tells us that when all of the disciples were reclining around a table, that this woman comes in with an alabaster jar and she breaks it over Jesus' head and pours this perfume all over his body. And Jesus said that she was preparing him for his burial and she was anointing his body. And guess who got upset? Our best friend, Judas. He he got so upset, read it for yourself, he starts arguing with Jesus. Man, why you let her do that? We could have taken that and went and sold it and put the money in the treasury. Oh, Judas, sneaky Judas. Judas gets mad at Jesus, argues with Jesus, and watch this, walks away from his small group. He gets mad at Jesus and walks away from his church. He gets mad at Jesus, his leader, and he walks away and he goes and finds a new friend group. Their names just happen to be the chief priests and the elders. Be careful of who you confide in when you are angry. Everybody you go to when you are angry, they will receive you right away. But you don't know them and you don't know what they're going to do with the information that you give them. They are not always looking out for your best. Just be careful. Judas had developed a three-year relationship with Jesus. Now he gets mad and finds somebody he met for five minutes and gives them the lowdown. They say, hey, Jesus, Judas, uh, If you tell us where Jesus is, we give you this bag of money. Judas, who was already slipping some money in his pocket, says, sure. When when I when you follow me and when I go kiss him on the cheek, right, right, that's the guy you're looking for. As a matter of fact, it's interesting that he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. 
Because that is a, a, a direct fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Zechariah chapter 11, verse number 12 tells us that he would be sold out for 30 pieces of silver. Judas doesn't know he's fulfilling the biblical prophecies of the Old Testament. I love when I see that, the biblical prophecies coming to fruition. But here's a passage of Scripture I'd like to pick apart in the next couple of minutes, and it's this. Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 and 4. This is the end of Judas's life. And trigger warning, there is an element of self-harm here. When Judas, who had betrayed him, meaning Jesus, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That is your responsibility. Judas comes to his senses when he sees what they did to Jesus. You see, when they arrested Jesus, they took him and they flogged him. Meaning they whooped up on him. They beat him. Isaiah tells us that they beat him till he was unrecognizable. And when they dragged Jesus out here and Judas sees what they did, they said, Judas was seized with remorse. What does Judas do? He goes to the priests and confesses his sins. In that culture, in that time period, Catholic Church still does it, you go to the priest and you confess your sins so that the priest can forgive your sins. Why? The priest's job was to offer a sacrifice to forgive you of your sins. And so now Judas does what is biblically accurate. He goes to the priest because he's, he's just upset and he says, I have sinned for I, watch this, have betrayed innocent blood. Watch this. That's a fulfillment of the biblical curse in Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 25. It says, curse is anyone who accepts a bribe to kill an innocent person. So, Judas goes and confesses his sin to the high priests. And he's attempting to repent for his sins because it says he was remorseful. Watch this. The word that Matthew uses for remorseful is the word, another word for repent. It means that he had a change of heart or a change of emotions. Last week, if you weren't here, check out the, the, the video online or the audio. And, and we talked about David and how David was redeemed and that there was a process. There was a step-by-step -step process in order for us to be redeemed like David. And we saw that the first step in your process of redemption is recognizing your sin. You have to recognize, be vulnerable enough to recognize or confess your sin. Step one, Judas does that. Step two, 
you have to repent from your sin. To repent means to turn direction. It means to turn away from. And what did Judas do? He turned the money in. He was upset and was remorseful. He's attempting to repent for his sin of betraying innocent blood. So he returns the money, watch this, and throws it at their feet. That's also a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Zechariah chapter 11, verse number 13 says that that money would be thrown at the, the, the uh, chief priest's feet. And that was a symbol of him washing his hands that he had nothing else to do with this. Finally, those chief priests, they incorrectly inform him that atoning for his sin was his responsibility. See what they say? That's your responsibility. They were so caught up in killing Jesus and taking care of their problem. They so excited. We're going to murder this guy that they forgot about their job description. Their job. It's written right there in Levitical law. Your job as a priest is to sacrifice for the sins of your people. And so, trigger warning, self-harm, Judas, unfortunately, sacrifices himself to pay for his sins. Listen, if you are here today and you are having a struggle in life, maybe you're down and disappointed, distressed, Maybe you're here today and you don't know how you're going to make it. You don't even want to make it to tomorrow. Maybe you're here today and you've made a poor decision and you don't know how in the world I could recover from this. Maybe you're here today and you're going through some challenges uh, in your life. People are not liking you or being your friend. Maybe your family has turned their back on you and you feel like you want to harm yourself. I'd like for you to know that Jesus has more for you. That he has a great destiny ahead for you. And even if you're going through challenging times right now, he has more for you ahead. Don't give up now. Don't throw in the tile. Don't harm yourself. There are too many people who love you. And who will be devastated if you do. I'd like to give you this piece of information. If you could put this slide up. There's a phone number. There's just three numbers. 988. Can you take note of that? Whether you're here today and you're having thoughts of self-harm. Or you're here today and you know somebody who is going through this right now. Will you give them this number? Because there's somebody else on that other line who cares deeply, who wants to hear your story and will stay on that line and talk to you or text. Jesus and Judas were friends. Judas was a friend of Jesus who made a mistake, who, had, who sinned, who betrayed his friend. And had a change of heart. 
But there are these three things I'm going to leave you with, and I'm going to get through them quickly, that Jesus gives us. How do, should we address or treat someone who has become our enemy? And what should we do when our friendships go wrong? Number one, love them. Jesus loved Judas so much and so well that the other disciples didn't know who the betrayer was going to be. You, you catch that? They were asking Jesus, man, when Jesus said, one of y'all is going to betray me, they're like, who? Man, you see how, how nice we are to each other, how much you love us, how much you care about us, how much you, well you treat us. Which one of us? They started asking Jesus, is it me? Is it me? Jesus treated everyone so well, even his enemy. Watch this. I think that this is a powerful lesson for all of us to take away from here, especially going into a political season, that if you are a Christian, if you are claiming to be a follower of Christ, if you are on this road with Jesus, that no one should know who your enemies are. Why? Because your job is to love them. Your job is to treat them with honor and respect, no matter how much you dislike them. I got scripture and verse for you. You think I just made that up. Luke chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus says this, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Jesus never said following him or being a Christian or being a follower of him would be easy. It is not a cakewalk. This is hard stuff that he calls us to. But with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. Second thing, pray for them. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Jesus prayed for his friends and his foes. And watch this in John chapter 17. He prayed for you. He knew you were coming and he prayed for you. So we should be praying for our enemies as well. Third thing. Y'all not liking me at the end of this message? But I'll tell you the word of God, and I don't care what you think about me. Is this, be kind to them. Proverbs 25, 21 says, if your enemy is hungry, give them food to eat. If he is thirsty, give them water to drink. It, by doing this, watch this, doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head, and the Lord will reward you. Treat people well. I know that that's hard. I know that it sounds weird. But following Jesus should be a stark contrast to what the rest of the world is doing. We should. People should look at us and be like, you are so different. Why? And then you could tell them, because there's a king of kings and lord of lords that I serve who inspires me, who directs me, who has given me a new lease on life, and I've got to share that with the world. 
If you want to see God give you some victory, if you want to see God do some amazing things in your life, then follow his word. Don't just, watch this, don't just pray for your enemy. Treat him well. All right. I'm out of here. I, I, I'm going to have to get out of here, Garrett. I see you. My time is up. But I'll give you these last couple of pieces here. Many people today still despise Judas. As I was preparing for this message, it was amazing. It was actually alarming to me to read how many commentaries of people who were condemning him to hell. I was reading this one commentary, and it said, Judas is in hell because he abandoned the faith. I read that in a commentary, and I'm like, how you know? You been to hell? And saw him down there, shook his hand, like, oh, you down there. No, you don't know. You don't know what that man said to God before he met his unfortunate demise. You don't know what that man, what relationship he built up before he took his own life. You don't know what people are going through and what they are talking to God about and where their heart is. So watch, like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, stop judging people. That's not your space. That's not your right. It's not yours. Matter of fact, Jesus said, if you judge people, I'll judge you the same way you judge them. It's not your role. Know your role. But last I checked, the Jesus that I serve, he specialized and was known for being the best at buzzer beaters. He's the best at fourth quarter comebacks. You see, when they took Jesus on that same day, they arrested him. They beat him. They nailed him to a cross and they lifted him up high alongside two other criminals. And with his last few breaths, the one criminal on one side leaned over to Jesus and said, Jesus, when you get to your kingdom, will you remember me? And what did Jesus do? He stopped dying in that moment. He stopped what he was doing. He stopped dying and he looked over at that man and said, you know what? Today you will be with me in paradise. That man is now in heaven because of his last minute touchdown. Jesus always, listen, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's absent in your life. I don't know what's missing. I don't know what hole is in your soul. I don't know what you need from God today, but I know that God always comes through on time. I know that God always makes a way out of no way. I know that God specializes in turning nighttime in the day. I know that God specializes in turning sickness into health. He specializes in turning awful things into great. He specializes in turning death into life. Why can't he come in and transform your situation? It's not too late for you, your situation, or your enemy. God loves us too much. Too much. He loves us so much that he gave his only son that whoever would just believe in him, you get eternal life. I'd like to see God do some amazing things in your life today. And that's what what I'm going to ask you to do is to take a next step. On your connect card at the bottom, It says, my next step. 
And I'm going to ask you to take a challenging step this week. So we'll see how many connect calls we get. And that step is this. I want you to identify a person who has betrayed your trust. Identify somebody who has been an enemy, an adversary. And I want you to be strong enough this week to pray for them. Matter of fact, I'll ask you to do this. Take out your phone and put a reminder or a, a note on your calendar with just their name or their initials so nobody else that look at your phone know what you're doing. And every morning when that alarm goes off, when that notification goes off, it reminds you, you know what? God may want to change that person or God may want to change my heart toward them. If you're willing to do that, just write yes or check or something by that next step so I know that you're joining me in taking that next step this week. I'm going to invite you all to stand. As we stand, time is late. But I want the worship team to lead us into a time of ministry that you can receive prayer right now for whatever you came in with whatever you need, whatever hole is in your soul, whatever challenge you're facing right now, I believe that God wants to meet you in that space right now. That this is not the time to sneak out of the back door and go as far and as fast as you can, but it's the time to sit in his presence and say, God, what are you up to and what do you want to do? He brought these feelings up in you for a reason. He brought a name up to you for a reason. And he wants to do something in your life around that. So, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. And what I'm going to do differently right now is I'm going to pray to close. This is a closing prayer. You can sit, worship, come get prayer, go get your kids, come back in. And this is your dismissal. Do what God is leading you to do. Holy Spirit, we thank you for all you're doing. We hear you. We want to follow you. Speak, Lord. God, we might have come in with something that is weighing heavy on our hearts. Maybe there's somebody here today who's uh, trying to force those memories out of your mind by putting your mind on something else. And I think God wants to say, deal with that right now. The power and the presence of the Holy Spirit can do amazing things in your life. So Father, bless this group of people who have come seeking a word from you today. We thank you for all that we've heard and all that we've participated in, every song that has touched our hearts. God, we remember you. And we thank you for what you are doing in our lives right now. 
we just pray, God, that you would be our leader, our guide, that you would be our strength. Even in our challenges, God, would you give us everything that we stand in need of right now? You are able to do all things and anything. But beyond whatever we imagine or think, you have it. And God, our victory is in you. So we just say we trust you. And we pray that you would have your way. As we leave this place, bless us with travel and mercies. Bless our families. Bless our homes. Bless every person who visited for Thanksgiving. Bless them with traveling mercies back home. Bless our families and our lives. We need you this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Let's worship.